Hi, I'm so glad that we are able to connect with you online through our podcast channel today. Um, so glad that you're able to tune in to listen to Kingdom Culture. And our topic for this one is repentance. When we first started talking about Kingdom Culture, it was going to be two parts to it. But just this week, it seemed good to us that we should continue the series of Kingdom Culture and speak more about the book of Acts and what we see there in the early church. If you haven't listened to part one, it's just the previous episode to this one, so do check that out. On Sundays, we meet at Holy Trinity School in Weymouth, that's DT49QX at 10.30 in the mornings. It would be lovely to see you there, but we do our best to have our sermons available online if you are someone who's following and listening to us from further afield. Also do check out our website prayerhouse.uk for more information and if you want to email us you can use connect at prayerhouse.uk. It's connect at prayerhouse.uk and would love to say hi to you and connect with you as well. This is Paul speaking on kingdom culture repentance. When I started thinking about this whole thing of the culture of the kingdom, it came really from reading the story in Acts chapter 3, which I'm not going to read because it's kind of jumping the gun. But what happens is Peter and John are on their way to pray at the temple. And when they're on their way, they get approached by this guy or begged for, from by this guy who's lame. And they reach out and heal him, which is incredible. And I thought, wow, that is extraordinary. And then I backed up and read a bit from the chapter before, in chapter 2, from 42, and I thought, hold on a minute, they had a culture where miracles were happening all the time, and they were kind of embedded in this culture of generosity, of devotion to the apostles' teaching. They, were, they met together every day, they prayed, they broke bread and shared communion together in each other's homes. This was a real buzzy, vibrant environment. And then I thought, well, that's really cool. What's preceding that? And it's a bit like you watch those movies and they're like, three years before, five years before, 26 years before. It's like, oh, okay, how far are we going to go back? Well, let's just go back to this preach that the Apostle Peter does on the back of the day of Pentecost. So he's the the Holy Spirit has come, has filled the place where everyone was meeting. They've all begun to speak in tongues. They've been overcome by the power and presence of God. They can see these tongues of fire appearing on each other's heads and thinking, man, this is incredible. Surely this is the promise that Jesus told us about, that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And they sort of flow out into the street. Everyone says, wow, these guys are drunk. They say, no, we're not. This is actually the promise of the Father. This is something that, that we've all actually had a hope for since the prophet Joel wrote it however many years before. And so what he does is he gives them a bit of history. He reads them. He quotes some of the scripture. And then he makes this statement, verse 32. This Jesus... So he's been talking about Jesus the, and the fact of the resurrection and the fact that they're witnesses. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we, all of us here in this crazy 
Holy Spirit environment, we are witnesses of that. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him, that's Jesus, both Lord and Christ. So that what he's saying is Jesus is the Lord. He is the anointed one. He is the Lord. And God has done this. God has raised up this Jesus. You crucified him. This is what God has done. Verse 37, it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone the Lord calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. So that wasn't the end of his preach. He preached a lot. And he kind of provoked them and challenged them and exhorted them in many ways, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? But so what Peter is doing is he's presented them Jesus, and he says, actually, you crucified God's means of your salvation. The very one that God had sent to help you and rescue you, you crucified him. And he doesn't spare their feelings. He doesn't try and make them feel cozy about it all. He's actually saying, no, this is the real situation, guys. It's really, really important that you face up to it. We're here witnesses of the fact that he was resurrected and has been resurrected from the dead. He's not dead anymore, but you crucified him. But God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37, it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut, they were in, they were, it's like they were in pieces over what they'd done. Suddenly, like, wow, this is a terrible thing. And so what is what is the medicine that Peter prescribes? When we go to the doctor, we like it when they give us a little prescription, don't we? Yay, I got my prescription. Now I'm gonna feel tons better if I take my medicine. Peter the doctor says repent, be baptized, every one of you. So there is no exception. Every single person listening to Peter had to take the same medicine if they wanted to benefit from Jesus and all that Jesus has done. And it's the same for you and me. The medicine, the remedy for us, each one of our sin, is to repent. So if we're going to talk about the culture of the kingdom, it all starts with a baseline of repentance. 
It doesn't, it would be very easy, and it is easy, especially if you do social media at all, to look at all the different people who are talking about all that's wrong in the world, and to kind of say, well, it would be, this is really bad, it would be really good if this was different, why don't we do this, or wouldn't it be amazing if we had a law making it against the law to do X, Y, or Z, and we can kind of critique our culture, and there's plenty to critique about it, and we could prescribe legal remedies and things to make it better, but actually there's only one thing required to start the whole process, and that is that we repent about Jesus. So these guys specifically had been, Peter was saying, you're responsible for putting this man to death, and yet I don't suppose any of them particularly maybe one or two, were actually there driving nails in. But he said, this is your doing. You've crucified this Jesus, but God has made him both Lord and Christ. See, if Jesus is Lord, then every one of us has a response required of us, and that is to acknowledge his lordship. Right, so Peter's talking to a bunch of Jews who were living at the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection. So you could kind of say, well, maybe the message had to be a bit tough for them because they had a particular guilt on them. If we jump forward to Acts chapter 17, Paul is speaking to the Greeks in Athens. And they're all listening to him and... He's trying to paint a picture, really, for them from their culture of where God's requirement for them is at. And um, if we just jump in at verse 29. Wait, let's, let's read from 26. And he made man, sorry, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined an allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Verse 29, being then God's offspring... We ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Shall I just read that again? Verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now... He commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So once again, he's bringing it back to Jesus. Paul is saying there is God has a day fixed on, marked on his calendar. If it's on God's calendar, it's going to happen, isn't it? Surely. 
He said, God has a day fixed where he's going to judge the whole earth. He's going to judge the whole world. But what he's asking and requiring or commanding of you is now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed this day. So it's in the light of all of this. God now commands all men, all women, all children everywhere to repent. And it's really interesting because repentance is the great leveler, isn't it? So we know that all have sinned, fallen short of God's glory, or fall short of God's glory. We know that every one of us has sinned. And so to get this kingdom culture started, we have to come to this place of repentance where we bend our knee before Jesus and we change our mind about Jesus and we accept his lordship, his claim to lordship over our lives. So just let's back up a little bit. What is repentance is a really good evangelical preacher word what it means is changing our minds about something, and often with sorrow. So the, um, Paul talks about godly sorrow that leads to repentance, that leaves no regret. So this isn't just about feeling endlessly gloomy about how bad we are. This is about coming to a place of recognition where we see, oh boy, this is the actual situation where we turn our face away from the way we were going and turn to face Jesus and surrender to his lordship and his claim of lordship over us. Going back to chapter 2 of Acts, what does Peter say? <clears throat> he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, this is another thing that the, if we're going to critique the culture of the world, we have to say nobody likes talking about sin anymore. And preachers don't like preaching about sin, but sin is the disease that's killing everybody, isn't it? It's like this is the culture that, is, that separates us from God. And we like to kind of think of sin in like kind of layers of badness and there's like really really bad sin and then there's kind of not so bad sin and then there's christian sins which are kind of well you know, a bit different but scripture says your sins have separated you from god so what are we what what are we talking about here then peter is bringing them really good news he says actually if you do this if you repent if you will be baptized in the name of jesus this will mean your sins are forgiven. If we understand baptism correctly, what we're talking about is being submerged or immersed in Jesus. So if we take the word baptism mean to submerge or immerse something like a shipwreck going to the bottom of the sea, not a good thing to be talking about at the moment, I guess. But um, it's, <laughs> gosh. Um, or pickling vegetables plunging them into the vinegar where they just remain and pickle. Same image of baptism. So when we are baptized into Jesus, if we're baptized in the sea, it's like if we open our mouths, the seawater is going to come in. It's going to be 
uh, you know what I mean? So, right, what if we can take that image and imagine that as we go under the water, we're being baptized into Jesus. We're being kind of immersed in him. This is what Peter's talking about. He's saying, repent and be baptized. And he's not saying, be baptized when the pastor thinks you're ready or some period down the road when you've been to a lot of catechism classes or baptism classes. But actually, it seems to me that if we read the New Testament, the story, the book of Acts fairly straightforwardly, it seems to me that they got baptized pretty much at the point of making the decision to follow Jesus. So what's going on is they're minding their own business. They run into this incredible message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Their hearts are kind of worked over by the Holy Spirit to the point where they say, I need to change. I need to stop living the way I've been living. I need to follow Jesus. And then the preacher says, well, actually, this is what you must do if you want to follow Jesus. Come in the water with me and I'll baptize you. And so if you think about that moment, it's like you're never going to really forget that, are you? There you are. You've responded to the message. You've bowed the knees of your heart, kind of, as it were, to the lordship of Jesus. And in that water, you're saying, Jesus, I forgive me for all of my sin. Let me be washed clean. Even although baptism isn't so much about being washed, you can't get away from it that it is it's there. We're going under the water. But this whole big this package that these guys heard and kind of went along with, it was a big, big day, wasn't it? And so he says, with that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the culture that these guys came in on, was that they heard the message, they turned their hearts around, they repented of their sins, they were baptized into Jesus, and then they received the Holy Spirit. And this, I, I, do you know what? I, I don't believe there is another way for us to start developing the kingdom culture. I think we have to come to that first base, if you like, which is surrendering to Jesus. And the more memorable it is, the better, really. Because we're not just asking somebody to turn over a new leaf and to do some different things. We're not asking them to adopt a better lifestyle, although that will follow. We're asking them to do is surrender to a king. We're talking about the culture of a kingdom. Whose kingdom is it? Yeah, Jesus is the king. So we become then, as we surrender to him, we become subjects of that kingdom. Jesus said the same thing. He said, unless you repent, become like little children, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist said, repent um, and be baptized. The kingdom of heaven is near. Just some things following on from last Sunday. I was talking about some of the culture that's around us that we find just so out of step with what God has 
spoken and the word of God and so on. There is no culture on the earth that remains intact when confronted with Jesus. So whatever nation you're from, whatever city you're from or village, there will be some culture stuff, won't there, that you grew up with and you might be a bit attached to. If you were part of a particular gang of people or a particular football team or something, there would be a culture associated with that. But there's no culture on the earth that doesn't have to change when confronted with Jesus. Because Jesus is the, the name before whom every single knee must bow. So if we come from a British middle-class culture, that's fine. But there will be many things about that that need to change as we bow our knees to Jesus. So repentance is the great leveler, whether we come from um, somewhere in Africa or South America or North America, wherever, or the Far East. We will have things that we've taken on board as part of our culture. But what we're doing is when, we come in, when we're confronted with Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, everything that is about this culture that needs to change, I am now surrendering to you. I just want to be part of your kingdom and your kingdom culture. I want you to be the Lord and the boss of my life. Our kids used to argue with each other and say, you're not the boss of my life. And, but actually, Jesus, that is precisely what he is. And so what, but what we're doing when we come to him is we're saying, Jesus, I bow my knee to you. Right, so just real quick then, the implications of that for us. So that's how the whole thing starts. But then repentance is still the remedy for sin, even when we've been walking with God for many years, isn't it? It's still the same thing as we come back to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I've gone off track. I've missed it. I've done something that is outside of your will and your plan for my life. Please will you forgive me? Um, James says, confess your sins one to another. And the culture of confessing our sins is, is again, is part of the way that we can find healing from God. He says, James says, pray for one another that you be healed, that you may be healed. And uh, so as we go on this journey, we to start the ball rolling with Jesus, to start to become in to be brought into this kingdom culture, we get on our knees before Jesus. And when we sin and when we miss it and we go astray, the medicine is the same. But it's lovely. It seems like, ah, oh, you're talking about repentance. This is all heavy actually is good medicine if it makes us well, if it gets us restored into relationship again. So when, even as a believer, when our hearts become hard or we, we allow stuff into our life that is uh, icky, it's the culture of this world creeping in, the medicine is the same. Let's just repent. Let's just say, Jesus, forgive me. We can get someone to pray for us and help us with it. It's great. 
Um, I'm just trying to find that one in James chapter 5, verse 16. So there's a whole little culture here that James describes, verse 13. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray, pray over him, anointing him with oil. So obviously this is her as well, anoint, or if it's a woman, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he is committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. It's interesting, isn't it? Healed from sin, healed from the impact of it in your life, I guess. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So I'm going to just ask us to stand and we're going to pray. It's easy to make assumptions, isn't it? It's easy to just assume everybody's on the same page. And yeah, we all agree with that, Paul. What, what are you talking about? But actually today, God knows our hearts and he knows precisely where we're at. And as we look at on our hearts, if, the, if we need to repent for the first time and say, Jesus, I bow my knee to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to be forgiven for my sin. I'm very happy to go down the beach and baptize you like now. I haven't got anything else more pressing, I don't think. But if you're in the position where you're thinking, you know what, I, I have taken on many, many values of the world around me. And today I want to repent and get on that baseline again of being on my knees before Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're my boss. You're the Lord of my life. Forgive me for how I've strayed. Let me Today, I just come in repentance. I'm just saying, God, I'm turning my face towards you again. That's all so good. So here we go. Lord Jesus, we just bow our hearts again before you. We say, Lord, you are the Lord. You have a legitimate claim over my life. You have the legitimate claim over my life. And today I surrender again to you. I bow my heart before you. I want you to be the Lord of everything. Lord, I repent of my sinful ways, my sinful patterns. And I turn my heart to you today. Lord, thank you for your incredible grace and your willingness to forgive. Thank you, Jesus, that your death on the cross and makes it possible for me to be forgiven. And thank you that because you're alive, I get to be a disciple of yours and you fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to ask now that he will fill us again with his Holy Spirit. Just we stick your hands out where you are, like he's going to give you something. Lord, I'm asking now again today that your spirit fall on each one of us. Ha! Shabarakarananda.
Just come and fill us up on the inside, Lord, and do that revolution of our hearts that doesn't come because somebody's made a new law, but it comes because you have transformed our hearts. God, hey, fill us up, Lord. Let us see the culture of the kingdom emerging in our families, in our homes, in this church, in our town, in our businesses, in the places we work, in our communities, at Chapel Hay, wherever else we find ourselves, Jesus, we want to see the culture of the kingdom breaking out. Yes, Lord Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've embraced the things of the culture that is pressing in around us and we've drifted away from that beautiful, pure thing that you gave us and you brought us into in the beginning. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Jesus, just... um. Interestingly, Ingrid was on her way here this morning and saw a bunch of um, soldiers or people in army uniform, cadets or something, and they were all marching. Is that right? And they all had their camouflage uniforms on, and they were all marching in formation, formation but they had high-vis reflective jackets on top. <laughs> she was just like, this is crazy. It's a contradiction in terms. And then she was saying, actually, sometimes... There is stuff going on around us that is utterly crazy. And we don't have to just take it on and just do it. We can actually make that choice to be different. And, you know, that actually we are invited. We're commanded to be different. We're disciples of Jesus first and foremost, aren't we? Anyway, I'm not going to start another sermon. God bless you.